0: We're starting a new series today, uh, which will go all the way to Easter, and uh, we're all going to be in Luke. So if you're reading in your in the one-year Bible, we're actually going to jump further than I thought uh, in there this Sunday, today, what I'm going to share today. You read this week, but that'll be it. But we are going to be in Luke looking at this idea that God is doing what He's doing for us. I think sometimes we can look at it corporately and we can think about it through these big lenses on, yes, the church and yes, this. But a lot of times we don't necessarily take that to heart, what he's doing for us. And so every week for the next five weeks, we're going to look at this idea of for you. And today, uh, my for you that we're going to share is this idea that he showed up for you. We're going to be in Luke 4, uh, 16 through 30. You can get there, but uh, you don't have to go there right now. So. Um our idea for this is not just that because um, I think sometimes you look at for you and then you'd be like, oh man, um, this is kind of a selfish gospel because it's for you and and for those that you know may get a little twinge of going, oh, you know, it's so much bigger than that. I want to say that it's for you, but it's not about you. Okay, um, so be at ease that it's not going to be like, oh, how can I? But it is going to be something that is going to influence and affect how we do what we do. And see, for me. Uh, you know, this is like the, the Super Bowl for churches, really. Easter is coming up. It's this, you know, time of the year where people that don't normally, that would, you know, that come to church but not normally come to church are at church. And it's one of the reasons why we are doing two services, eight thirty and 10 o'clock. Uh, we typically have about 115, 120 people here on Sunday morning. Uh, Easter last year, we had 170, uh, and we, that's the most we've ever had, and it was packed in here so uh one of the reasons we're having an 8:30 and that service is going to be a little bit shorter and on a side note we don't have a sign up for this but we are going to need some extra volunteers that day um so if you're just thinking man i want to go to a service and i want to serve in a service for the first time ever at reach community church we will have that option for you um, and so, that being said, we want to make space, and part of the reason why we're making space is because we understand that people during this season, and this is a plus for you, are interested in hearing about things that they don't normally hear about. Like, during the rest of the year, they may not be interested in hearing about things in church or being invited to church, but in this season, leading up to Easter, there is an availability, I believe it's put on by the Holy Spirit, uh, that makes people more open, to the things of God and so what we want to do leading up to that is to kind of stir things in us that will feel um, this desire to share it with other people and so today I'm going to specifically be in Luke in um, a section that is entitled the rejection of Jesus uh, in Nazareth which is his hometown so before we get in the word let's pray Dear Father, it is by Your grace and mercy that we have the option of not only knowing You and experiencing You, but literally being used by You. And so Lord, we cannot be used by You, we cannot experience You without You showing up for us. And so this morning, as we look at Your Word, I pray that You would communicate to our heart that Your intention and Your purpose has always been to pursue us and to show up for us. And not just selfishly, but you're showing up for us, for the greater good and the greater purpose of your kingdom. So Lord, I pray that you would allow your word to open our eyes to see you for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you're not familiar uh, with Jesus, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, not really, but his hometown was Nazareth, and I don't know if you've ever heard the reality that when you go to your hometown, sometimes when you leave and you feel like you've done a little bit better and you go home and all people remember you as for something that you did in high school. I just got an email, actually a Facebook notification, my 25-year school reunion is coming up. I could pay my, you know, my dues right now and go show up for my 25-year high school reunion. Who's counting in their head? How old is he? Um... And that's coming up, which I've not made it to any of those, and, you know, not for any other reason, but um I look at it like if I don't hang out with you in 25 years, I don't want to see you. <laughs> so if I haven't seen you in 25 years, I'm not going to go, man, I can't wait. And not that it wouldn't be nice to kind of see some people, but, you know, that's just the way I look at things, and it is not here anymore. It's back home. And so Jesus kind of dealt with that. Jesus has been going around doing his thing. He began his ministry. He's doing what his father put him on the earth to do faithfully. There's a buzz about Jesus that's going around. People are talking about him and he comes into his hometown and he goes to the synagogue. The synagogue is his church. He shows up to church on Sunday and in in, in the synagogue they, they would stand up and they would read the word of God. And then they would sit down typically and then talk about the Word of God. So it's not unusual. It's getting ready to happen in this. But Jesus is is kind of on the the speaking circuit, if you want to look at it that way. He's been going to different synagogues. He's been sharing the Word of God. And there's been an authority and a power in His speaking. So He comes back to His hometown where we pick Him up in 16 and this happens. In verse 16 it says, And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found a place where it was written. So here's something that you need to know. The scroll of Isaiah was written to him. So it, the, it didn't, they didn't, walk up to him and hand him this Bible, and he turns up to the page. It was literally a scroll, which is rolled. It was the book of Isaiah that's rolled on this. So he's got to roll out to the place where he finds where he's going to read. So it's handed to him. So Isaiah was handed to him. He rolls out to this one specific spot, and he begins to read. Which he gets a little crazy right here. We don't, we don't seem it's crazy because we've read this before, but he goes to this one place in chapter 61 of Isaiah. He reads chapter um 61, verse 1, and almost all of verse 2, which we'll talk about in just a second. So here it is. So he's standing up in the synagogue, in his hometown, and he reads these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blinds and to set liberty to those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord, of of the Lord's favor. And then he stops, rolls it back up, hands it, and sits down. Let me talk about uh, what just happened. And, And he's going to say this, but... This is a proclamation in the prophet Isaiah about the coming Lord. This is a declaration of who the Messiah would be. And Jesus reads the portion about the Messiah. And he's getting ready to sit down and say something that seems like I think they should have, you know, if this was me, and you got they weren't mad at his first point. Because he's getting ready to sit down and go. At the reading of this, it has been fulfilled, which is a big deal, okay? But what I want to highlight here before we go on to verse 20 that he left off the second part of two and i think it's really important and it's a side note not necessarily what i'm talking about today but it is something for us to be aware of so what he left out in the second part of this is and the day of vengeance of our god so he's talking about you know to proclaim the year year of the lord's favor supposed to continue finish the verse which would have read uh, and the day of the vengeance of god and let me just let me just say this when jesus came he he came to proclaim life he came to bring salvation judgment is on pause and it wasn't like Jesus didn't accidentally forget the rest of the verse. He didn't like, oh, I'm running out of time. You know, kids ministry is getting ready to jump back in the bounce house and I've got to wrap up this sermon. He put, he was all on purpose. Let me just tell you this, is that in this season of our ministry, and I'm talking about the last 20, or 20, the last 2,000 years, God has on pause the vengeance that is coming. He didn't remove that, but he has, he has, put it on pause for it to be brought at His second coming. It is our hope, and this is where Easter is such a big deal. We want to proclaim the goodness of God because that is still ahead of us. And so in verse 20, He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the tenant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Him And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they didn't have a mic drop back then, but that would be a mic drop. Because he literally just said, he read this section that everybody in the room understood that it was talking about Messiah. And then when he sat down, he said, at your hearing, it has been fulfilled Could you imagine the tension in the room? Like, could you imagine the tension just right now? If I, if I read something about the second coming and, you know, the declaration of God is here and I come in the room and say, I am He. Jesus has returned. I mean, could you imagine the awkwardness that fulfilled or filled the room? You'd be like, wrong church. Gotta go. Like, uh, I, didn't sign up for this. and this is your first Sunday, I am not proclaiming that I am Jesus. Okay? That was just an example. But that's what happened because Jesus, and this, remember, this is his hometown. This is like me showing up for my 25-year high school reunion and saying, hey, like guys, I'm the President of the United States. I've done really well. And they're like, I'm pretty sure you're crazy. I mean, this is this is his hometown. This would be like him making this big declaration And he just might drop. And so listen to this in verse 22. It says, And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. They're still marveling. He just made the statement, hey, at the hearing of this, the prophecy has been fulfilled. They're still marveling at what has come out of his mouth. And they said, okay, so some of them marveled. Some of them were like, is this not, is not this Joseph's son? Remember, hometown, like we know your dad. Is this not, like, me? You'd be like, isn't isn't that Larry's kid? (laughs) Like, that's my dad. You know, isn't he the kid that did, you know, whatever. I'm not going to bring all that stuff up. You don't need to know. Um, but it, like, he grew up there. They knew all the stories of, they went to his father's shop, potentially to get something worked on, and they'd been and experienced some of the, his fellow students might have, you know, been around. They're like, oh man, I was in, you know, I was in Bible class with, not Bible, I was in synagogue class, or whatever that's called, um, with jo- with Jesus, like, this is just that guy. And so in verse 23, and he said, he, and he said to them, okay, so it's getting a little, you know, a little punchy right here. Doubtless, you will quote me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. He's, he's, he's beginning to say things that they're going to say to him later. When he's on the cross and they're yelling at him, like, if you are the Son of God, remove yourself. Wait, maybe Elijah's going to come and take him down. And he's saying, he's proclaiming, this is what a physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, Do here in your hometown as well. So they're like, okay, okay, you say that you are. You just said that you're this guy who's going to bring liberty to the captives, that you're going to help renew sight to the blind, and you're going to give liberty to those who have been oppressed. Show us, because they've heard these things that he has done. And in verse 24, he said to them, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Your love for me will only last as long as I fit the model that you want. They were looking for a Messiah that was not Jesus. They were looking for someone that they didn't see grow up. They were looking for a liberator of their freedom from the Roman rule. And then this is where, okay, the end of this, let me just tell you the end of this so you know where this is going. The end of this, they're going to drive him, they're going to push him, they're going to force him to the edge of this cliff to throw him off because they're going to get so mad at, at what he has said and is getting ready to say. To throw him off the edge of the cliff. That's what's that's what's happening in this story. So let's just so they some marveled, some were excited, they're saying, Hey, prove yourself, show yourself by doing a miracle, and then in verse twenty-five it says, But the in truth, I tell you, it's getting it's gonna get messy. And I didn't really get the messiness that's getting ready to happen until you read some of what until you understand what's going on in these two illustrations, these two um stories that he's gonna remind them of that were in their bibles He said i tell you there were many widows in israel in the day of elijah when the heavens were shut up for three and three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. and elijah was sent to none of them but only and here's where i try to pronounce a word that i'm going to mess up zarephath that's pretty close i think um, in the land of Sidon, to the women who to a woman who was a widow. So, okay. He just said a great famine came over the land. They're aware of this. They are aware of the story. They know that Elijah went to this widow. They know what happened with the widow, and what he just told them is there was lots of widows of the kingdom of God, of the Jewish peoples that were passed over. And they went to this one widow that was outside of the people of God. And there was a miracle that happened to this person. So he's just saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. And they're looking for the Messiah to declare what he's going to do. And they wanted a liberator. And this Messiah is giving them a story that in all of this, the one that God blessed wasn't even a child of God. Wasn't even of their people group. Which doesn't sound like a big deal to us because most of us in this room are Gentiles. Thankfully, this is, he's talking about us. And so he tells this one story and then he goes, it's not just one, he goes to the second one. He says, There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet, prophet Elijah. S, not J. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman of Syria, of Syria, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogues were filled with wrath. So the Messiah has just declared himself in his hometown. They said, "Hey, show us that you are who you are." And he just he tell he tells them scripture. The prophet is never received in his hometown. They use the thing. Don't we know your father? You know, aren't you just Joseph's son? He's proclaimed that he is Messiah by the reading of. Uh, Isaiah 61 and then he just tells them two stories after he's saying you won't believe me you're not going to see it and then he said in the Old Testament that God bypassed all of these Jews this is not an anti-Jew message at all but bypassed all the people that he thinks they should have gone to and went to this one that the expectation was that if you're going to do to one, you wouldn't do this one. And then he goes, tells this other story about this leper. And there was all these other lepers. Naaman wasn't the only leper that was there. And he was the one that came, came to him because he was told to go to him. He, he was a high-ranking official in, in, a, in a foreign government. And he was told, go, you can maybe get healing. And he comes to Elijah, and Elijah goes, <laughs> tells him to dip, dip, dip in the um, Jordan River, I think, seven times. And he's like, we've got better, cleaner rivers in there. I'm leaving. <laughs> and the guy was with him. He's like, oh, the prophet just told you what to do. And so he, he does what the prophet tells him to do, and he's healed. So he just said, hey, I'm, I'm going to set captives free. I'm going to give sight to the blind and the oppressed. And, and there was oppression going on here uh, with these two. One needed a physical healing. One was starving to death, and God showed up and the people in the room were so angry at what jesus said that they drove him out of the synagogue the people who one of their ten commandments is thou shalt not murder i don't know how we like oops i didn't mean to push him off the cliff it was an accident didn't kill him on purpose it's not murder no big deal and and so they had heard this they were so frustrated because they honestly believe that the messiah was just for them let me just tell you, there's people in our city that you may be even looking at right now and "Mm going, Jesus isn't for you, for whatever, for whatever's going on in their life, for things that they're currently doing. And you're going, oh, I don't think Jesus can set them free. I don't think Jesus can do that. And we withhold because that's what the people of Israel are doing. They were going, this salvation is for us alone. And here's the Messiah telling them, I'm showing up. For a people that aren't even mine. I'm going to give this salvation not just to you, but for everybody else. And that's hard for a people that have been so built up on we are the special ones. Remember, it is for you, but it is not about you. See, the people of Israel were waiting for it to be about them. For God to finally lift up to the level of going, look, these are my people, even though he's told them over and over again, just obey me. Like, here, I've given you this very simple thing, love me. And when you love me and obey me, like, things are going to go well. And and there's there's experience in that where they literally get to see God doing the miraculous over and over again when they do what he asks. And then when they don't, and God's like, okay, go ahead. And here's the Messiah. He's walking onto the scene for the first time saying, hey, I'm here. But I'm not here like you want me to be. I'm not here to set you free from Rome. I'm here to set you free. See, the reality is there's people in this room that are captives. Not imprisoned in a place that have bars and chains, but you're captive to something that has taken control of you and Jesus has come to set us free. There are people in this room that may not be blinded naturally. Now, if we take your contacts out, you might be closer to, but you're not naturally blind, but Jesus is going, He is here. He showed up for us to give us sight. We've been so blinded by so many things that we can't even see the things that God is trying to do for us. And here's Jesus saying, have come for people that you don't want, but I want them. Like, I don't think there's more of a gospel that we can connect with, with a God who doesn't say, hey, I'll take whoever, and y'all just do whatever you want and I'll call you my children. He takes whoever who submit and surrender to the lordship and kingship of Jesus and say, I want you to be everything. I want to give you every part of me. And here's the people that he came for. He's in the synagogues specifically speaking to the people of Israel. And then verse 29, they rose up, drove him out of town, brought him to the barrow of a hill on which, that's not a really country, I am from North Carolina, I'm sorry for that, to the barrow of a hill, can't not say it, of which um, their town was built so that they would throw him down from the cliff. And I want, I I, I don't know this is going to happen, but like my version of heaven has a theater because I think it's awesome. And I think some of these scenes are going to be recorded. We can go in there and watch. But, like, I want to see what happened. when they, Because Jesus let them take him to the top of the hill. It wasn't like he's like, oh, what's going on? Like, I'm going to ride on top of the people. Like, you know, you're at a concert and you jump. And it's like, oh, this is all of them. He knew exactly what was in their heart. And, and he let them push him all the way up to the edge of the place where they can throw him off to his death for, for what he just said. Even though we know that he is the Messiah speaking the truth to us. And then he literally, but passing through their midst, he went away. What happened? I want to know. I want to see that. Like, I I feel like there's a long list. Like, I know, you know, people that have Netflix, you have your queue of like things that you want to watch, right? Right? Anybody? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I have like a cue for heaven, like I want to just, and I think God will just let us know, but I want to know like what happened in that moment for these people that were ready to kill this man till all of a sudden, like did he, did he, did he swell up? I mean, was there like a little Hulk situation where like, it was like, oh man, he just got a little bigger. We got to leave him alone. I, I don't know if like, like a crack of thunder and they're like, oh, maybe he is. I don't know what happened, but he literally walked away. And the, you know why he walked away? Cause later, which we're going to, We're working towards for Easter, for the resurrection. He didn't always walk away. He chose it, but this wasn't his moment to receive the punishment that he would receive on the cross. So here's where I want us to land and and where I want to challenge you with today. Jesus declared by showing up what his purpose was. And this is what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to look at this reality that, you know, for us to know a Savior, we have to experience Him. And He wasn't just going to assume that we would understand, but He literally showed up for us in the flesh. The one thing that none of us in this room can argue with, if we want to talk about apologetics, is that there was a person named Jesus that existed. No one is going to argue with you about that. There was a person named Jesus that was crucified, period. I mean, historians are going to agree. And the thing that is the pivotal part of what we're working on for us is none of it really matters without Easter. None of it really matters unless he walked out of the tomb like he said. Because everything else could be like a crazy man spouting off things, but the moment you raise yourself from the dead there is a declaration of who He is. And this is what we want to work on. We want to declare that Jesus had purpose in His showing up, and He still does for us. And so there's three things. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. There's three things that I want us to just go through with what He said in verses 18 and 19. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to captives. And the receiving of sight to the blind. To set the liberty those who were oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what he came to do for all his future children. To proclaim the good news to the poor which is us. The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Every one of us without Jesus are in poverty, maybe not financially, but we're in poverty of the spirit. Liberty to the captives, Romans um, 6.22, it's not going to be on the screen behind you. It says, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. There is no freedom for you without Jesus. I mean, there's momentary. Like, there, there's self help books that if you, you know, think a certain way, you can be a certain way for a certain period of time. But there's only one freedom from the chains that sin has us in. And that's Jesus. He gives us liberty to the captives. And and the beauty is that it is not our power to free others. It's our mission. It's our purpose to literally share the goodness of God so that God can set them free. Like we can tell them that. And I love, I'm all for apologetics. Apologetics. But at the end of the day, what saves a person is going to be God starting in him what we cannot. He's going to be restoring or recovering sight to the blind. Healing us from the blindness of unbelief. Some of us in this room, literally right now, even though we're associated with the church and with Christianity and Jesus, we're blinded in unbelief of what God can do in us. You may be blinded in the unbelief that God can never bring me to this place. I mean, he, he literally said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And you're going, I don't, I don't see or experience any abundance of life. But he's come to recover our sight. Acts 26:18 it says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Literally setting our eyes on Him. Because without Him, we are literally blinded and we'll sit here in this place of not believing that God can do in me what you are unable to do yourself. When God rose the dead, He gave sight to the blind, those things didn't end, but some of them aren't just physical things. They're not just Him literally giving us our sight, but Him literally opening our spiritual eyes and giving liberty to the oppressed. 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Look. I cannot give you a system that will fix you. I cannot give you ten easy steps to make your marriage a success. There is no book on helping you be a perfect parent. Parents out there? Anybody read it? Not there. But there is a God who showed up not to just convict us of our sin, and not just to make us feel bad, but literally live in relationship with us that would tell us, just like He told the people that day, that this is why I'm here. And He showed up for us so that we can experience that. If you need a miracle, the miracle is not going to come from anywhere else but Jesus. And so what I want to do during the season, what I, I want us to to trust in is that God didn't show up just to make a good book so He could sell lots of these. This is one of the most printed books in the world. But He came here so that we could have life. He showed up. There is no, there's no rest of the story without Him entering into it. And, and I want to tell you that He showed up so that you could know Him, so that you could experience Him. And what I want to challenge you as. We go into worship. If, if you're struggling in any of those areas, start to cry out to the one who has the capacity to heal you, to bring freedom to you, to release you from this bondage of sin. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I am unable to do what you. Are able to do. But Lord, right now we acknowledge that you've shown us who you are, how you work, and how much compassion you have for us by entering into our world. And doing what we were unable to do. To live the life that you required us to do. So that you could go to the cross and give it all for us. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us see you for who you are. That you would literally do what Isaiah Isaiah 61 says. That you would free the oppressed that you would give sight to the blind, that you would preach the good news to the poor. And if that's us, or if that's others that we have contact with, Lord, I pray that you would help us be you here. By the way we love, by the way we speak truth. And Lord, right now, as we worship you, as we open up um, ourselves to you as we close, Lord, I pray that you would in us do what we were unable to do which is to bring hope for more. And so, Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.